Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Conversation of Our Generation, where we are solving today's problems with the wisdom of the past. My name is Nick Jamel, the creator of the podcast and the blog, conversationforgeneration.com, and today we will be talking about what happens, you know, how to really spot the media's lies and see through them and see what they're trying to obfuscate, because I think there's so much attention to how there's fake news and how the media is trying to influence the way we think, influence the way we see things and put forth a narrative rather than putting forth the truth. And there's too little focus on, okay, tactically, how are we doing that? We recognize that that's happening at the broad scale, but where do you see these little things creeping in? Where do we see these sorts of malpractices happening and how do we spot them is what I'm going to talk about today. Because we recently looked at how much faster lies spread than the truth. And if you go to the show notes, you can see that. But that was episode 126 of the podcast, if you want to check that out. But I want to dive deeper than that. And I think that all of these little lies add up and make it really difficult to trust any authority. And so if we sharpen our minds and are aware of the deception that's being presented, I think we can see the lies and we can see the tangled web that is in front of our eyes. And I think that if you read another great book I just reviewed last Friday is Empire of Lies by Andrew Clavin. And it kind of shows how it's so hard to believe something that you think could be true because there's so much media and so much of this culture just saying, oh, that's silly. That's nonsense. And, or you should believe this instead. And so I think that's what I want to talk about today is how do we spot those lies and how do we see what they're trying to obfuscate as well, what they're trying to cover up in some way. So before I dive too far into it, I want to remind you, you can find me on conversationforgeneration.com or go to conversationforgeneration.com slash podcast to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And if you do that, give it a good review, give it a good rating. That stuff really helps, especially just tap in the five stars. It takes no time at all. If you have time for a review, that helps too. And <clears throat> you can go to Twitter at conofourgen or facebook.com slash conversation for our generation to keep up with the conversation and keep and engage with me as well and be able to offer some feedback and some thoughts and everything. And then the last thing that I want to remind you of is we do have, an, I do have an email list on the website. If you go to the website, you can, the pop-up will come up and you can subscribe there. Or on, if you're on Twitter, there's a, my pinned tweet is a place for you to subscribe as well. So just check those out too, because I'll be getting some, some more promotional materials out there so that people can see what's going on, keep in touch and get some deals as new products roll out. So let's hop into the quote of the week. This one is from Mark Twain, and it's a short one, a simple one, and one that I might have used before. <laughs> uh, I noticed it as I was putting it in here, but I thought it's just so good. There are lies, damned lies, and statistics. And I think this goes to show a little bit of how our media does pull the wool over our eyes, which is 
they will outright lie from time to time. I mean, there's just, we can think of time after time where they lie about what some conservative figure has said, what the story is overall. I just, there's been multiple times that we can think of where they've just outright lied. And then there's times where they've really lied poorly, uh, or on serious situations like, uh, with covering up Hillary Clinton's email scandal, covering for her and Susan Rice on Benghazi and making it seem like it wasn't a big deal, that it was all just a YouTube video, not the Obama administration's malfeasance. There's just so many different things that you can look to. Even going back, I think I talked about this in episode 126, Walter Cronkite lying about the Vietnam War because he didn't like the war. So trying to find a way to get people over here to stop supporting it so much <clears throat> and make it more unpopular. And that kind of stuff, I mean, they did it when we had the war in Iraq under Bush as well. Those kinds of things have happened consistently over the last 50 years where the media lies and they lie about big things and big problems. And then the statistics part of it is they will pull out and cherry pick stats that fit the narrative. Just look at the coronavirus stats that you're hearing. You hear deaths that are happening to start because there was a lot of death. Now you hear cases happening because there were more cases. Now you hear of outbreaks happening because there's a slight uptick in an area for a little while. And it's like over the last few weeks, we've seen a few more cases. But if you look at the broad curves, if you look at the broad trends and you don't, and you don't just focus in on, okay, what has happened in the last week on coronavirus here, then you see that there's no problems really anywhere in the United States with coronavirus compared to what we had in March or April. And so it's just a constant different forms of lying and just hitting you with different, so many different things that it's hard to see through what they're doing and to see the truth and to find the truth. <clears throat> and so that's what we're going to dive into today. <clears throat> But let's go ahead and talk about first some of the ways that we're lied to by the media and then we can look into the particulars of these different cases. So the first one is outright lies. You have lies of omission, lying through emphasis, the lie of changing their mind, and the expert assurances that we get all the time. And I think these are a pretty broad classification. There's kind of different ways of doing these, but there's also, I think this would encompass most, if not all of the ways that we're just being lied to. And so the first one that I want to talk about here is the outright lies. I think it's important to recognize those and to just know that that's the case. And so the first one is, uh, <clears throat> Kamala Harris. So this is I just pulled some of these off some of the Twitter Twitter trends, Twitter trends <laughs> so that we could look at what's being pushed at us not only by the media but being pushed at us by the media through our social media as well to influence our our opinions. And so this one is that Kamala Harris is eligible to serve as US president fact checkers confirm. 
Now there's no problem there. Multiple fact checkers, including AP, PolitiFact, etc., confirmed that Kamala Harris was born in Oakland, California, therefore making her a natural-born citizen of the United States and eligible to serve as both vice president and president. Now, based on the law, that's generally been the understanding. And it says here what you need to know. Now, this is where it gets a little tricky. AP confirmed that Kamala Harris was born on October 20th, 1964 in Oakland, California. According to PolitiFact, Harris is considered a natural-born citizen of the United States under the 14th Amendment of the Constitution and is therefore eligible to serve as vice president and president. Now, what that doesn't answer for us in the what-you-need-to-know part is the actual complaint that was being put forth here, which is that her parents... They do not know whether they were naturalized or they were fully naturalized. And what so many people say is, well, if you're born here, then you're good. But what that 14th Amendment says is if you are born here and are subject to the laws thereof, basically. And so if you are not only born here, but subject to American law, then you are a naturalized citizen. And that's the key. If you come here and are, I think I heard Michael Knowles pull out the idea of an ambassador's child, for instance, they are not subject to our laws fully, right? You're not a full United States citizen just because you're born here to an ambassador because you're not subject to the laws. They have some sort of different immunity. If you are an illegal child of an illegal immigrant, it's not actually clear that you become a natural citizen upon being born here. That's why, you know, with, I think that most case law has gone that way, has allowed for that to happen based on what I've understood. I haven't read all the cases, but that's what I have come to understand. And there's still a question in the air of whether or not that's right based on this law. And so if you look at DACA having to pull like you know legalize all these uh kids and make them legitimate citizens now those were kids who were brought here young against their will but you could see that there would you would think that there would be a process for why is it that if a parent brings an infant child over the border versus a mother is pregnant and comes over the border and has her child how is that a different situation really just by being born here because they're still not fully subject to the laws thereof. They are not full citizens. And so they are not fully subject to the laws. And so it's just, it's just a tough question. And it, and so the outright lie here is, is that it just says, here's what you need to know. And it doesn't even bring up a pretty solid case on the other side that no, this doesn't necessarily fulfill both parts of the 14th Amendment, the clause that is in question. And so they just completely lie and say, here's what you need to know and leave and do not answer the question at all. And you can think of so many others. I mean, you can think of, I'm just trying to get some that are trending so that you can see that this is not just, hey, here's a couple examples in history. I mean, you can think of, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. If (laughs) I did not have sexual relations with that woman, And those things were just covered up completely. And there's plenty others that I can point to. 
the next one that I want to talk about are lies of omission. And so this story was omitted despite being far more heinous than any than Michael Brown's story, which was, by all intents and purposes, a self-defense shoot. George Floyd, which was disgusting and terrible, and he should be alive today, despite, you know, he shouldn't have died in police custody the way he did. But there were mitigating circumstances, as we've seen in the video now, that make that far more confusing situation. And Trayvon Martin, who also kind of has a confusing situation and, you know, while he might have felt he was defending himself, the other man felt he was defending himself. So it's, it was a tough situation. And so this one is that finally social media and United States news is recognizing that there's a funeral being held for five-year-old Cannon Hennant who was fatally shot while riding his bike. Riding his bike down the road, 25-year-old man shot him point-blank in the head in front of his sisters. Now, this story was just nowhere for days on the national media, despite the fact that there have been a string of, I think, racially motivated attacks that have happened in retaliation, or in since the Black Lives Matter movement has been heating up again, and I think that there are a lot of people, individuals who get, for whatever reason, are probably already just jerks or bad people and villainous people, and they use this as an excuse to go out there and commit crimes. And I think a lot of those crimes are racially motivated. There's the guy who was just beat senseless by a mob a couple days ago and left i don't even know if he's alive i haven't seen an update but he did not look good in at the end of it and these kinds of omissions of heinous crimes being committed while only focusing on white cops killing black people not even black cops killing black people or black cops killing white people when that happens <clears throat> or not allowing us to see the just outright execution of a five-year-old child, but showing us when a white guy gets aggressive with a black guy. You know, those kinds of different selection and those lies of omission make help you paint this picture of, or help them at least paint this picture of, here's the broad trend, here's what's happening in our world, because they're omitting counterfactuals. They're omitting the cases where Maybe it doesn't show a broad trend of racialized violence. Maybe it's just broad trend of increased violence because of certain factors. Maybe there would be a broad trend of the opposite. Maybe there's a broad trend of gang violence in Chicago, not a broad trend of police killings, right? <laughs> and they don't want you to see those because they don't fit the narrative. And that's how they do that. I mean, it's the same. If you're an author writing a book, you're not going to put in there everything that's unnecessary to create your story right and it's the same as this for crafting this narrative you are going to put in to this put out there what helps your narrative what creates your story that you're trying to tell and that's why they omit so many of the things that they do <clears throat> the next one is 
line through emphasis. And I think this one is pretty brutal because what it does is it makes them act like, makes them feel like they can act like they're being fair, that they're being honest, but really it's just bias still showing through and really <clears throat> it's it's just showing that their focus is not on telling the truth but on still at the in, at the end of the day even when they're trying to act like they're being fair they are crafting their narrative and so this one is a story about the proud boys who i do not necessarily think are the best people ever i'm going to put that out there i think that you know they are not the kind of way I would like to go about politics, to say the least. And I don't actually know what they fully believe. They always are called alt-right, but I don't know how alt-right they are. I actually don't know what their belief system is. I know that Gavin McGinnis seems to me to be, whenever I've heard him talk, I haven't heard him say many objectionable things, really. I haven't heard him say that he thinks white people are better than black people or anything like that. So... I don't know. Now, are other people in his organ in that organization that way? Maybe. I don't know. But this is how it's presented. <clears throat> White nationalists and counter-protesters clashed violently in Kalamazoo. Counter-protesters showed up to the site of an organized white nationalist rally in Kalamazoo, Michigan on Saturday. When the white nationalist group arrived, violence broke out. Police responded to the violence, made arrests, and cleared the crowd. Now, you hear that and you think, wow, these white nationalists came in and started some stuff. Well, if you, you have a warning here saying <laughs> that some of this stuff may be graphic, I haven't seen anything that graphic on here, but there's just video of these people standing around, looks like a lot of your people who are probably at the BLM peaceful, quote unquote, peaceful protests, a lot of them, some of them seem like just regular people who are there to put forth an op opposing opinion. But then as the Proud Boys march in, there are they're marching on the street. These people are in a park by the street and you can see people from the quote-unquote counter-protests, the peaceful counter-protesters, running across the park and going and just like socking people, running into the crowd of Proud Boys and punching them, right? And that, to me, might be the narrative. Maybe it's the anti-fascist is what they, I mean, they say on here that they're, I think I saw in one of these posts that they were they were Antifa or calling themselves anti-fascists, ran in and attacked the Proud Boys, really is what happened. But because of the emphasis on we have to make the white people, the people who do love America, maybe they have bad ideas about America, we have to make them look bad. And so they do. And they do that by emphasizing who did what. If you go back, basically what happened is these guys were walking down the street. I think they had a permit to do their protest. And other people come up who had an opposing viewpoint and start attacking them. That is what happened. It should be white nationalists attacked by, I don't know, Antifa, whoever these people are at Kalamazoo. It shouldn't be like clash. <laughs> like if you look, these guys aren't even punching back to start. They're just kind of like defending themselves, pushing people away. And then they start to fight back a little bit after multiple people come in and start attacking them. 
So it shouldn't be just this, oh, this neutral, both people were there and violence happened. No. Leftists came in and attacked. Maybe these guys are white nationalists. I don't know. Okay. You don't still have the right to come in and just punch people who are saying what they believe. If, especially if they're out there doing the right things to get a permit to march and have a rally the way they want to. We've had BLM rallies for a long time. I don't know very many white nationalists running in there and attacking those people. I don't know. I mean, there are people who are trying to drive on roads that are being illegally cut off by so-called protesters who are then attacking the car that that person panics. That's different, I think. (laughs) They're not people trying to make a political statement by attacking them. I haven't seen that. And so... I think it's important to recognize that. And then the next one is kind of the lie of changing their mind. And what comes to mind here is that war was really, really bad and should be on talked about all the time when George Bush is president. And then when Obama becomes president and he wants to pull out of Iraq, it's like, yay, good. But also then we're going to start wars in Libya and we're going to just blow up the Middle East, basically. (laughs) We're going to give Iran a bunch of money to fund terrorism and more war in the Middle East. And then we're going to, I mean, depose multiple. I mean, basically Libya has slave trade now because they've been after Gaddafi was deposed, who was an evil, just garbage person, not going to sit here and defend Gaddafi, okay? But there was a little bit more order in that country. And if you just take them out and have this random uprising of who knows what these people want, well, you might fall into something far worse. And we have there. So that's kind of one of those instances that I want, that I can think of. But My favorite is Jake Tapper. Someone found this tweet from 2014 after, you know, this month or two of, oh, the post office is so great. We can use it for mail-in ballots. It's going to be perfectly safe. It's going to be perfectly fine. Yada, yada, yada. And he says, hey, this is from 2014 again. Hey, at USPS, who do I talk, who do I talk to there to try to solve a problem caused by your severe incompetence? Your phones aren't even set up right. (laughs) And then there's just, now there's a bunch of people replying to this, so that doesn't help. But <clears throat> there's a thread there going back and forth where he basically continues to just call them incompetent and to point out their <clears throat> their service is not good. He's like, hey, my package didn't get here in time. Why is that? <laughs> Again, hmm, isn't it important that the ballots get there and get there in time? And And it's just funny that he can come out knowing, knowing that this U, U, USPS is an incompetent and just garbage service. Absolutely horrible. I, it's just terrible. Government services are terrible. I filled out my registration for my car a month and a half ago. I still haven't gotten the sticker. I'm like, I'm just waiting to get pulled over one day and have to deal with that and be like, nope, I paid it. Go check it out. I can show you my bank account where I paid the BMV. And 
it's just how government works. It works poorly and slowly. That's what it does. And and he knows that. He knows that Jake Tapper knows that that's the case. But CNN has to put forward, because Trump says mail-in voting is bad, that mail-in voting is good and that we can trust our postal service that everything's going to work out fine. And we all know that that's not the case. And so this flip-flopping is just whatever is convenient at the time for the Democrat Party. That's how you can see whenever they suddenly change their mind or they have an enlightening moment, you can know that if that changes back in the next year, they're going to flip up, they're going to flip back and they're going to be talking about <clears throat> how how great uh, the post office is or how bad it is again, you know, that, that's just how it's going to be. And just look at what they did with Russia. Russia was, you know, a bad thing under George Bush. And then Obama said, no, it's not a big deal. What? Mitt, Mitt, 1980s called. They want their foreign policy back. Ha ha ha. And everyone's like, oh, in the media, at least, is like, oh, Russia's not a big deal. Why is everyone saying Russia's a big deal? And then 2016, Russia's a big deal all of a sudden again. Why? Well, because it's politically expedient and convenient. And that is just how it happens. They, The people in the media don't change their mind. They have their mind set. They are all for progressivist policies and far-left agenda. That's what they're for. They will do and say anything to, that's expedient for that. So don't believe them if they say they change their mind. The last one here is on a related topic, but it is the expert assurances. <clears throat> and so that's why we have Dr. Fauci standing up and telling us about everything so that we don't have to listen to the people that we elect to take in all the information, take in the information from the doctors, the economists, the everything, right? All the different players that affect a foreign or a uh, national policy and say, hey, how do we make sure that we minimize the spread and minimize the toll of the virus, but also minimize the toll of suicide and drug addiction and job loss and economic catastrophe and so on. Well, that's what we have the experts for to assure us. This one is again from Twitter. It says, ballot drop boxes are safe and common U.S. voting method according to reporters and fact-checkers. Hmm. Thank you, expert reporters and fact-checkers. And it says, <laughs> Ballot drop boxes are usually monitored by video surveillance and are routinely checked by bipartisan officials, according to NPR, CBS News, ProPublica, and other news outlets. So, NPR, government-funded leftist propaganda, CBS News, leftist propaganda, and I don't even know what ProPublica is. On Monday... Trump, President Trump suggested that ballot drop boxes could lead to fraud, a claim unsupported by available evidence, according to NBC News and the Associated Press. Now, just real fast, I can just think real fast. Let's say I live in a house where people apparently didn't add their forwarding addresses. I still get mail or mailers for people who haven't lived here in 20, 30 years. Four different people. Let's say I get all four of their ballots on accident. How hard is it for me to put mine, my wife's, and those four people's ballots. I'm not going to do this, by the way. Just to clarify, I'm not going to commit voter fraud. But how hard would it be if I get all four, you know, three other people's ballots, whatever it is, four people, I forget, and 
get those delivered to my mailbox, I could take those open, fill them out, and boom. And you can't tell necessarily if I, you know, put those in there or I could take two or three and put them in there and then send my wife to put another two or three in there. It's not hard to do those kinds of things. You could go steal these out of other people's mailboxes and put them in there. Who knows? <laughs> it's it's just insane to say that you can't commit fraud or that this is a foolproof thing. No. If you walk into a voting booth or a voting station and you have to show your ID and they look at your ID and they look at you and they look at your information and say, yes, you are who you say you are, that's how you prevent voter fraud. Now, sure, can you get a fake ID? I guess. But are you really going to have someone else's picture on it? <laughs> no. You know, or, or someone else's information, right? Am I going to put my picture with some friend that I know who's a Democrat's information and be like, yeah, I live at yada, yada, yada. And my name's not Nick, it's so-and-so. No, I'm not going to do that. I wouldn't even know where to go to vote for someone else. <laughs> it's so confusing. But I think that that's the point. And it says what you need to know, again, here on the bottom. Drop boxes are a common balloting option for voters in states across the U.S., according to CBS News, etc. Trump President Trump's claim that the practice invited fraud is unsubstantiated, according to NBC News and AP. Ballot drop boxes are monitored by video and surveillance and are considered to be a secure voting resource, the Guardian and GPD, GPB News report. So, yes, do you states use them? Sure, okay. But, again, I just told you, it is not that hard to commit fraud with this if you're just dropping it in. I mean, I, I went through and sent out my thank yous and my wedding invites and things like that in mass, and you just take a big stack and you shove it in. I mean, it just looks like a postal box, you know, the same, you know, like a mailbox, like the postal service operates and empties. It looks like that. It's how hard is it to just shove multiple things in? I don't know. But the other thing is they say that these people are bipartisan who are picking them up, but do you have a Republican and a Democrat and a Libertarian going to each one of these together and picking them up together to make sure that fraud isn't committed? I doubt it. I bet you have probably primarily active Democrat people doing it so that because they're the people who are involved in these things. Republicans are just not as involved in this part of the process. Every time I go to the polling station, I've never, I rarely, if ever, see Republicans out there handing out, here's who you vote for on the Republican ticket. I never see, I, I might be assuming things of people who are working the stations, but they generally seem to me to be more like left leaning <clears throat> and maybe that's the area that I'm in because the area that I'm in is more left leaning in Indianapolis but I don't know it just seems to me like it is and also just listening to who is the expert here reporters and fact checkers now the fact checkers are idiots <laughs> to start with and so are the reporters so why should I listen to their opinion on anything but those are all the ways that we're being lied to I, I just kind of want to you can kind of fit most things into those categories and so I think when you see experts say when you see something where you think hmm that person said something different a few years ago or why is this group so being so maligned while this other group isn't or why is it just that 
you know, violence happened to break out <laughs> and things like that. Why is this story being covered, not another one? It, it, does this thing that's being put forth sound like an outright lie to me? Does this comport with what I know about the world? Those are the kind of questions that we can ask ourselves. And then I think you don't have to prove when you're arguing about the fake media side of things, you don't have to prove that your position is true. You just have to prove that they're lying. That's the argument that needs to be made here is that not that going into the polling station is the best thing ever. It's that I can show you how I just thought of a couple ways that we could defraud this pretty easily that that could be being defrauded. And I can show you that those people are not experts. Probably if you scroll through and you see who is quote unquote breaking that story, it's probably him and his friends believe this <laughs> and that's who the experts are. And so just all you have to do is attack the veracity of the claim being made. You don't have to prove anything else. They're the one asserting something. <clears throat> They're the one that's putting forth an idea. And so it is not incumbent on us to argue over that. No, it's just to undermine their argument at that point. You don't have to assert anything on your side other than that's not true. Here's why. And if you do that, you don't have to sh show and establish a case for why you believe the truth, not them. So hopefully that's helpful. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. I know it was a bit more tactical, but I just was annoyed in seeing these sorts of things over the last few weeks, and it just feels like it ramped up all of a sudden. I don't know why, but it just felt like that, <clears throat> and it felt like I needed to talk about it. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Conversation for Our Generation. Definitely go to conversationforgeneration.com slash podcast to subscribe if you enjoyed this episode, and <clears throat> you can also go to Twitter at ConnorVarGen, Facebook.com slash Conversation of Our Generation. And if you do subscribe to the podcast, leave a good rating and a review. Even if you don't subscribe, you can do that still if you enjoyed this episode and enjoy others as well. That stuff really helps with me and the rankings and get this gets this podcast out there more. So check that out. And thank you for joining me today.